Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And we're back with another episode for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I just want to start off the episode by thanking everyone who's reached out to us since we've returned. We're getting messages from all over the world, people in Amsterdam and the UK, people in Sweden, people in America, obviously people in Canada. And it's just it's just really nice to hear from you guys. So please continue to reach out to us, continue to tag us in your Instagram stories and whatnot. Um, it's really lovely. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, you know, really, we wouldn't do it if, if no one listened to it. You know, we would just not, we would have a conversation similar to this, but we wouldn't record them. That's true. Yeah. They would just be resolved, uh, reserved for our group chats. Yes. Uh, uh, but we're happy to have an audience that we can, you know, enjoys listening to us and uh, that that we can speak to. Yes, yes. It's also it's 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 nice to just hear people's opinions in this way uh, mm-hmm. about about music and about hip hop um, on a, on a one to one basis, like when they DM you versus you know we have the Boosie Fade Facebook group, um, and I feel like there's a difference between the way people talk about music in a DM or a text message versus how they talk about it on a public forum sometimes. For sure. I mean, you know, you gotta you don't want to get screen capped uh, and 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 you know you know when people are like this you you know like yeah <laughs> it's like it's somebody like, somebody screen capped me and, and blasted me because i was saying that i think that um nav the rapper on exo i'm like i was like he's he's not he's not a good rapper but like in the past i've really kind of stand for him and it was a semi-ironic like i i, I was rooting for I, I have been rooting for him but I also, you know, I, I can acknowledge that he's not an amazing rapper. And uh, so I, I kind of said something to this effect. And then um, our friend Sal kind of went through the Boosie Fade group and found all the posts in which I was like gushing over Nav, of which there are many. Yes, <laughs> it's true. And he, and he was like, this you? Yeah. And I got flamed. Yeah. In fairness, I always understood that was to some extent a bit you were doing. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. But at the same time. <laughs> It was funny as hell. It was funny That's as really hell. All that matters. It was funny as hell. Um, so what? What's what's been up with you lately? Oh, well, you know, I mean, frankly, um, you know, it's still COVID. Yes. You know, uh, there's there's this weird thing where it's like COVID's worse than ever. I people aren't that that has not made people more scared of it Mm -hmm. it's like as it's gotten worse people have gotten less scared of it yeah um and so i'm kind of just like resolving myself to uh a winter of yeah and i don't know like you know yesterday i cleaned out my fridge and and uh, my wife reorganized our like spice spices you know (laughs) you sound you sound like a married motherfucker i am a married motherfucker (laughs) and i'm i'm it's like i'm getting into what hibernation mode Uh you know I mean, uh, I I like wonder. I've been wondering, like, if I was like twenty one, like, how would I be living? I think you you'd know? be. I think you'd be I, living I, lawless. Yeah, out in, out in these streets. Out like, in these streets, <laughs> you would belong to the streets. Yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> would. You know, like taking my chances. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because now it's like, well, you know, I don't need to go out. I don't need to. Yeah. Do any of that? I'm in this. I'm in the same same boat. One one thing I was actually thinking about is that like you and our producer Kyle are both married, and mm-hmm. I'm the only like single, uh, non married person on the podcast. That's true. What do you What do you make of that? Mm, it's you know it's good to have uh, diversity of perspectives. <laughs> so you know we appreciate your bachelor uh, viewpoint. 
you know it's a demographic that um in some places is a little overrepresented in uh but in podcasts maybe underrepresented wow it's true very you know? true very true a lot of a lot of married podcast guys yes it's know? true it's true <laughs> it's like you get it's they're all like, wife guys podcast yeah, guys are wife guys exactly you get married <laughs> And you start, and you get up, and you make a podcast. <laughs> That's a normal cause of events for a lot of men over thirty. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it's like you get to a point of like a a wizened uh, old age, elderly old age of, of you know thirty one, two, three, mm-hmm. and uh, then you're like, this is now I need to spread my wisdom. I spent my <laughs> this my life thus far learning. Uh-huh. Now it is time to you know spread what i know that's that's great that's great yeah all right let's let's that's that's a good good little catch up let's look (laughs) what are we talking about this episode so uh we're talking about the uh incredible jeezy versus gucci main versus which i still i can't even believe it happened let alone what happened Uh uh-huh uh and we're gonna get into uh megan the stallion and uh unfortunately that also comes with some toy lanes. <laughs> well said. All right, let's get into the episode. All right, James. So for somebody who's listening who doesn't know what Versus is, can you explain what Versus is? Yes. Uh, so it's sort of like a song battle. And by that, I mean, it's like there are two artists. Uh, they can either be producers or vocalists. That is to say, the person who made the, the, the song, like part of the song that's uh, instrumental, or the person who made the uh, did the vocals, or both. Um, it was originally, the first one was with Swizz Beats and Timbaland, and then they kind of turned it into a whole brand, where they go on Instagram Live, and now with Apple Music as well, uh, and they... Um, play one song after another and then the the audience judges who won yeah basically and uh so it, this started like at some point during quarantine mm-hmm. there's been a lot of uh really big mm-hmm. battles there was brandy versus monica there was teddy riley versus babyface there's patty labelle versus gladys knight mm-hmm. um and you know one of the things i think is really great about this is something i've talked about a lot with my friends and even in the boosie fade facebook group but it's just like it's interesting to me that like what's cool about versus is it's actually basically the one place where you can celebrate an artist's catalog while they're still alive. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like so much of music, especially hip hop, um, you know, one one of our listeners, Peter out in Sweden once uh, lightly roasted me for, for saying that for continually saying rap is no country for old men. Mm -hmm. Apparently I've said this in like five or six episodes. (laughs) I really do like that expression, but Mm -hmm. Peter, you're right. Um, but the, the truth is, like, rap is a very much, like, what have you done for really late, me lately genre. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about Versus is that it actually allows you to go back and in real time and with the same kind of attention that you would, you know, give to a new, let's say, Megan The Stallion album, you look through an artist's catalog and you're like, this person was significant to the genre in all these different ways and we appreciate them for it and we celebrate their songs for it. That's mm-hmm. what I've always loved about Versus. Yeah. One of the things that's great about it is, uh, for me, is what songs do, do they pick to bring mm-hmm. you know that's like it, that it's like a, such an interesting you know sort of uh bit of perspective do they go sort of like their concert route like as sort of like a similar to a set list do they kind of do fan like lip service with like more like deep cuts or uh b-sides or kind of you know kind of like you know for example if if drake was doing a versus is he going to do Hotline Bling and God's Plan and mm, these kind of songs? Mm. Or is he going to do, 
you know, uh, preach or like um, stuff from, you know, if you're still reading this or like Tuscan leather, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so it's, you know, and, and it really varies what between artists and it can, you know, an art, and then that's kind of how, where I think, um, you know, potentially two artists who aren't sort of evenly matched um, can, can, you know, the one who's kind of the underdog can actually win if the one who is the other one who's kind of has maybe a bit of a superior catalog doesn't take it seriously or picks kind of cliched choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like another really fun thing about it is like that there's like the, the track selection. It's like if they're DJing their own best of, what do they pick? What do yes. they bring to it? Yes, and what was most interesting about this this battle between Gucci Mane and and Jeezy um, is the fact that these two have very serious historic bad blood. Yes. Um, so if you don't know their story, you can go back and listen to we we did an, an episode in which we talked about this in detail. It's episode forty. It's our favorite rap beefs, volume one, mm-hmm. and we talk about the story. But the Cliff Notes version is they had recorded a song together called "So Icy" in around two thousand five. Um, it was a Gucci Mane song that Young Jeezy was featured on. And then uh, the song becomes a ca- kind of a breakout hit. And at the time, Jeezy was really in this u- unique position where he was signed as a part of a group to Bad Boy called Boys in the Hood. And he was also signed as a solo artist to Def Jam. And his debut album was coming out in the following year. And he basically was like, hey, that song's a hit mostly because of me to uh, give me the song. Like, let me put the song on my album, is what he said to Gucci Mane. And Gucci Mane was like, that is not the agreement we had. And like, why would I do that? Like, I'm going to be a big artist too. Like, I don't need to like do this for you. And then that kind of kicked off a little beef and they started going back and forth. Uh, Jeezy at some point puts a bounty on Gucci Mane's chain. And he was like, if somebody brings me his Bart Simpson chain, I'll give you $10,000. This leads to uh, what you described as a honey trap situation mm-hmm. or honey pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, both would be, you know. Okay, so basically that's like, you know, Gucci Mane went to a strip club met with some dancers and and they were like, you know, I'd like to come out to some of your music. And he's like, I have some unreleased stuff. Like, let's go back to my house. I'll play it for you. So they, they go back to Gucci Mane's house to play the music. But then when they get there, a bunch of goons break in with guns and masks and brass knuckles. Gucci Mane gets into a, a tussle with these guys, punches one of them, ends up shooting and killing one of the people. Um, and then it comes out a few days later that the person that he shot and killed was an associate of Young Jeezy's. So it seems it doesn't take you know uh, uh, a homicide detective to mm-hmm. put two and two together of how this came to came up to be, but it's like it seems pretty clear that the bounty, Jesus' associate, they were all related, and the honeypot situation were all related. Mm-hmm. And so Gucci Mane gets arrested, charged with murder, but pretty quickly after the charges are dropped, when it becomes pretty clear that it was self self defense, and then since then the two of like have kind of had. Just a lot of tension, as one would imagine, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they 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 did some diss songs back and forth. But it's like I would say mostly the feud has been somewhat dormant since 2012 or 2013 when Gucci Mane released a song called Truth. Yeah, um, and even at the time that they kind of like that part that like that argument reignited in 2012 2013, it was already had been dormant for a few years too because I think this all happened around 2007 or so. Mm-hmm. And I mean. Uh, by by, it was kind of like an interesting dynamic you saw in the in the battle. But even by 2012, 2013, Jeezy had this kind of elder statesman type perspective. Like, I, you know, I I've, I've been there, done that. 
He has a song called Seen It All mm-hmm. with Jay-Z from that time period. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of, he he's like, I'm, I've am i been a very successful rap star. Why do I need to care about, like, a street beef anymore? Yes, Whereas yes. Whereas Gucci Mane did not feel that way. Yes. He felt like this is this is serious like my life was at stake i you know had to kill somebody over it mm-hmm. and, and frankly also 2012 gucci Mane pre clone gucci Mane was also different and yeah i mean he was he was he was an an addict he was addicted to mm-hmm. to prescription cough syrup and and i think he was just generally an unstable guy yes and you know, even I mean, just to to more to that point about why probably this is like you know stuck in Gucci's craw for many reasons. But I remember reading in this like in the Spin Magazine profile of him that you know a lot of people that knew Gucci said that he changed after he killed that guy mm. after he killed um Jeezy's associate Pookie Loke. He like he's they said that he he'd gone from being like kind of like a fun loving happy like kind of guy to being more you know dark mm. and really kind of miserable and i think that a lot of people said that he you know he didn't get therapy after it happened mm-hmm. and it really affected him it started to weigh, d- weigh down on him even there's even the song on um one of his albums the state first roger davis called my own worst enemy mm-hmm. where he kind of talks about some of this stuff you yeah. know actually let's let's play a little bit of my my own worst enemy by gucci man right now All this to say, you know, it, it's it's understandable why, why Gucci would, would hold a grudge. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end, it's also understandable why Jeezy would be like, you know, I'm kind of past this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he, I mean, so many people in the lead up, before before we get into like talking about what happened during the actual verses, I, I found like that a lot of the conversation in the lead up to this battle, I don't know. I don't know if disturbing is the right word, but mm-hmm. it was just, it was kind of bizarre to me to see how much people were, were you know fetishizing the specter of violence that mm-hmm. could occur in this situation because to me it's like if you look at what 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 both Gucci Mane and Jeezy have been doing in the last you know 3 years of their career mm-hmm. these guys are really mature men for you know mm-hmm. they're business people mm-hmm. you know like they you know um the, it it just it just to me Based on their behavior in the last few years, there's no reason to think that this situation would turn to violence just based off the fact that they're like, they're fucking grownups, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, to me, it also seemed like people wanted people, like, I, I on, on, on one hand, I kind of understand, like, why you might be like, oh, like, something might get messy. Like, I kind of felt that, like, that mm-hmm. too. But like, to me, there was also like a, a kind of like weird excitement at the potential that there could be violence, which which I will say did bother me. Yeah, and I, I feel like... It's, you know, when, you know, there's been like the recent killing of King Vaughn and, and, uh, M3 and, uh, M03, da- M03 in Dallas. And, and then uh, Boosie was shot, shot in, in Dallas. Benny the Butcher was shot in Houston. Yeah. This is all within the span of like two weeks. Yeah. So that it's, it's like in a little, I mean, first of all, it's a versus, you know, I mean, the, these guys, Atlanta's not that big. I think if, if Gucci really wanted Jeezy dead, now like to this day mm-hmm. i don't know you know i don't know that jeezy would have 
agreed to a versus. Exactly. That, and that's what he said. Moreover, versus turning into a snuff, like snuff is like not really the turn I think any really need or want, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can understand it because there are there is lots of material for good jokes. In, yes, absolutely. In that. That's true. Um, you know, and I will say like at the beginning of the verses, the tension was intense okay let's let's talk about the night the night itself yeah um so the battle take took place it in magic city Mm -hmm. the famed atlanta strip club which has been um a scene in both in both of their uh gz and gucci mains music and their music has also been played a lot in those clubs yes and it it holds like a lot of historic value in atlanta hip-hop and i think also on another level it's like these two artists hold a lot of historic value in Atlanta hip hop. Mm-hmm. If you think about the fact that So Icy came out in 2005, mm-hmm. we're in the year 2020. That's 15 years of these two being two of the biggest rappers in Atlanta and in the world. Yes. And like their legacies kind of speak for them, speak for itself, you know? Yes. And I mean, if you like to put it in perspective, in 2005, 15 years before, there weren't really any notable Atlanta rappers. And the like the biggest rappers in the world were like, you know, NWA, uh, like Slick Rick, Ice T, you know, Will Smith. Yeah, like it's like a, it's such that that felt in 2005. I can tell you, like a million years ago. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Whereas Gucci and Jeezy feel very present because they're both very present in music. Yes. Still, like, and I guess the other thing is that both of these guys, and I feel like this cannot be stressed enough, have made millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in hip hop. Yes. In the last 15 years. Yes. They've both been, I think, pretty smart in their careers. Um, I mean, Gucci it had, was ahead of the game on so many levels. I mean, uh, the artist that he, he co-signed early is basically the full litany of Atlanta's best rappers. Yes. That's, maybe not from the last couple of years, but especially from 2008 to 2015. Yeah. 16. So you're talking about like Waka Flocka Flame, uh, Young Thug, Migos, Migos. Future. Future. That's uh, right. Um, even other like smaller artists like PB Longway. Mm-hmm. Um and you know he did he worked with Chief Keef really early that's on. That's right. That's right. They did a collaborative mixtape. Um, I mean, he's not from Atlanta, but even still, it just shows his acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, he also owns all his masters and puts out his like mixtapes because of that. Can put out his mixtape stuff on streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. He's like fully independent, mm-hmm. which is the kind of thing that like rappers like to brag about, but like Gucci Mane actually has done that since day one and been very smart about it. That's right. Independent, but in, in, in a partnership with a major label. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Jeezy on the other hand has really kind of bossed himself up in a lot of realms. Like he's an executive with Def Jam. He's a consultant, but previously he was like a VP of A&R at Warner. Um, He's still putting out music as as alluded to in this versus battle he owns a lot of real estate in atlanta <laughs> yeah um anyway let's let's talk about the night yeah, so yeah. so the event starts uh about like 45 minutes after eight yes. i think um and you know i i i it was it felt like it, it had like super bowl vibes to yes, me like yeah. or, i was or like a, f- a title fight like a like yeah you know there's like s- such energy there was so much Tension, which I did not expect to experience from verses, because there's been some good verses, yeah, but not one I had this kind of like visceral reaction. To. Same, same. I think this is this is also like you know there 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 have been verses with like tension, like Brandy and Monica, um, but 
to have a versus where there's like a body, a, a blood feud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like there, there is, there's no, there's no precedent for this, mm-hmm. and I think that's also what, what, what. There was also there's such an element of like what is going to happen. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes. Like you're like, is it going to get violent? Yeah. Um, you know, so a few people that I know were like, uh, is there any chance that they make up? And I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no way. Um, so it was just it was there, there was a lot of tension, a lot of unanswered questions going in, and then to kick things off, the first song that Gucci Mane played. Is a song called Round One, which is a, a diss song that he made towards Jeezy in 2008. And it's a pretty brutal diss song. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's quite ugly. Yeah. And you can see in, in, in the battle, you can see that Gucci was amped. Like, the way that he was performing, mm-hmm. he was like, it was like he was directly challenging Jeezy. Yes. And Jeezy was very much kind of like playing off, like, like that he wasn't getting amped up. He was like kind of like very nonchalant about it. Like, he was very seated a lot of the time and he, he didn't seem to be matching Gucci's energy. Mm hmm. And I guess all this to say is just that off the bat, I was kind of like, wow, I don't know if Jeezy can 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 mess yeah. with Gucci Mane's a- energy. Because yes. like, obviously, Gucci is the one who's more aggrieved in this situation, mm-hmm. if you had to really break it down. Like, yes. You know, it was Jeezy who seemingly, allegedly, you know, sent some or at least encouraged someone that he knows to go after Gucci Mane and like rob her or, or hurt him. And and I mean, he just kind of just... Um disrailed his early, Gucci Mane's early career because mm-hmm. So Icy was supposed to be his breakout single on his original record deal. And when that all fell apart, he lost his deal, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of had to, to start over again. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, he was sort of the victim in this, which is a weird thing to think about Gucci Mane being yeah. when he had sort of a bully status in hip hop for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is the truth. Yeah, and it was just it was interesting watching the conversation in real time. I was in, I was in the Boosie Fade Discord, and I was also looking at Twitter, and I was in group chats with James and 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 um, some of our other friends, and it was just like interesting seeing how people were reading it. Because I guess there's a component of versus that it's like th- there's a voting component. I'm putting that in quotes, mm-hmm. um, but it's like you know no one's keeping score in the actual event. It's more like what do the fans think? Who do they think is winning? Who do they think is up? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting seeing how people were reacting to it. Because, like, off the bat, I was like, okay, Gucci's up. Just because yeah. his energy's up. The songs he's performing are more brutal. Um, but then Gucci, uh, Jeezy comes back with a few songs from, um, you know, Trapper Die. Trapper Die. Die or Thug Motivation 101. Yes, that's right. So, and these are, like, big songs, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it was, I, you know, I've one of the things I really felt with this, a lot of this battle was, like, some of the there's some Jeezy songs that have carried on into culture, like like his Kanye collabs, yes, um, or, amazing and put on, yeah, or like um, actually didn't he, did he even he didn't even play in Then What, which is kind of funny. No, he didn't. Yeah, um, that was his first Def Jam single. Yeah, and that's a great song. Great song. Um, but him go, going into his like sort of mixtape stuff, I, it's like I I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Yeah, I think that really, and I think a lot of people haven't. Yeah, I think that played to him in an advantage a little bit, whereas Gucci Mane's music has stayed in the ether yeah, more. Yeah. And I think because of that, some of it hit didn't hit as much because it's like familiar. That's true. That's you know? true. Um, yeah. Like some of the songs that, uh, you know, Jesus was playing songs that like really like, for instance, when he played bottom of the map, mm-hmm. I was like, my God, this yes. guy is incredible. Yes. Like, and I feel like he was like, been underappreciated and undervalued in the last few years because his music isn't as like commercially relevant. Mm-hmm. Let's actually play a little bit of, of Jeezy Bottom of the Map. Hey, hey, oh. 
I'm strapped up, I'm iced out, a nigga play, it's lights out, cost a cool quarter million, that's how you find me, swerving through traffic with them goons behind me, you better call your crew, you gon' need help, whole car strapped and I ain't talking seatbelts, red cross nigga, yeah we draw blood, whole team got choppers like a bike club, I don't get mad, I just get money, and laugh at these fuck niggas cause they so funny, all a gangster do is stay fresh, 45 with the Gucci Teflon vest. So anyway, what, what this was doing for me was just reminding me of the of the Jeezy era and mm-hmm. reminding me of like how much he actually really took over hip hop. Yes. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Gucci is probably arguably more revered and that's because of his, his impact on current rappers. That's like mm-hmm. very visible. Um, and apparent, but if you if you think about like Jeezy, you think about that first Kendrick album, mm-hmm. and how there's a whole like a whole skit. S- sketch about yeah. him like yeah skit on the album to him him listening to to Jeezy. this Jeezy album, yeah. which is just also another interesting layer because if you think about like when Jeezy was kind of taking over, there was a lot of criticism from the kind of like the classicists of hip hop mm-hmm. people who like who really like the kind of like '90s uh, boom bap conscious hip hop vibe Mm -hmm. and they're very much like what jeezy is doing to hip-hop is bad Mm -hmm. like he's bringing in it's it's they're like it's not it's not they were very like i don't know elitist about it they were elitist it was sort of like the like um the new york thing of of uh these are basic rhymes it's it's you know because he was he sort of pioneered a lot a lot of the things that i mean in, in that trap music are associated with trap music like ad libs like kind of like stretching syllables yeah you know the more more basic rhyme structures whereas gucci funnily enough is a much more com- like technical rapper yes he is you he's know? an extremely technical rapper you know it's it, it's not really what people associate him with yeah um at the same time you know jeezy did have like a jay-z co-sign uh-huh. you know he was signed to def jam he had a puff daddy and he was also signed to bad boy uh-huh. through his group he had a, uh, so he did have the new york connection um and so that was you know it's yeah. sort of interesting and, and i think what jeezy really brought to a lot of his music and is still apparent is like just you know if the 90s were like really focused on like you know the rhymes and storytelling. I think Jeezy was really good at bringing like character mm-hmm. and like using his incredible voice mm-hmm. to his advantage. And like, and this is like him coming up with catchphrases and the ad libs and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, anyway, so also say when Jeezy starts playing these songs from like 2005, 2006, 2007, kind of like his really, his glory era, mm-hmm. it was, I was taken aback. I was like, this guy, I, and I had been listening to a, a bit of Jeezy in the lead up to the versus battle, just to remind myself. And it's like, he has indelible records, yes. indelible classics yes. that have had a huge impact on the genre, whether mm-hmm. or not we talk about it as that much anymore. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I, that, that I think is a very a beneficial thing to come up in your, in your verses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a similar, when you're DJing, you sound like, you know, you can go the safe route and play um, like the biggest, the hits, but, like often the best you know, the best response is you're going to get is with a song that everybody loves but they've forgotten. Yes, that's right. You know, and that's it's right. a sim- very similar thing with verses. But that's not to say that Gucci didn't wasn't going into his like mixtape bag true. either. He was. He was. And so I mean that was to me that's why I don't know if this verses will ever get topped because they both were doing serious fan service and even just, you know, um I think it was 
was it holiday season was DJing? DJ DJ Holiday. Yeah, DJ yeah. Holiday. Uh he was you know, I think he might have been DJing before. Yeah, he was. He was. And he was playing you know, this was again there's like one point six million people watching. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the like the who's tons of ch- like blue checks just constantly commenting. <laughs> and you listen to you know, the stuff he's playing is not the like necessarily the biggest songs come out of like Atlanta or the South. You know, it's it's probably the stuff he plays most nights. And it yeah. was a lot of smaller songs relatively. Like they're mm-hmm. not not stuff that broke into the mainstream. So it's it was that was just so fun. Them going back and forth on like real like fan songs. Yes, it's true. You know? It's true. And like let's talk about the mood in the room as they're as they're playing these songs. So Gucci Mane is very amped up uh throughout the th- in the very early parts. He's playing his songs. He's rapping along with them like very confidently. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jeezy was like semi rapping yeah. and it was a little more laid back about it. Um, and then at some point, Gucci Mane is trash talking Jeezy mm-hmm. and he's like, "You keep playing stuff from 2005, 2006. Why don't you play some current? I got current hits." Yeah. And then Gucci bizarrely plays his uh, Kodak Black Bruno Mars feature called "Wake Up in the Sky," yeah. which is a song from last year, which was a huge hit for him. But I I, I would say. The song kind of sucks. Yes. Yeah, I would agree <laughs> with that. I mean, it's just like, and it's like also just not what you want to play in a versus. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a commercial hit. Mm-hmm. It probably made him a ton of money. Mm-hmm. It has Bruno Mars on it. Yeah. But it's like when you're going into your catalog and like kind of showing off, you know, the the impact you've had on hip hop, you're, you're showing off like, you know, the classic cuts that people still resonate with. And then you play this kind of like really craven commercial like yeah, yeah. jam it's it just it just wasn't the right mood the the point that he was making i thought did have some salience of like i'm still currently relevant in a way mm-hmm. that you're not mm-hmm. but to play a song that's like like a song like that it was just kind of like it was a big it was a big shrug for yeah. me yeah and there was a couple others like drake's both yeah and stuff like that yeah at that point i thought jeezy might win because i was like if he plays too many of these yeah these contemporary songs but then gucci started going into stuff like Steady Mobbin. Which is his song with Lil Wayne. Wayne just, it's it's like incredible. An incredible song. It's a mix it's just a mixtape song. Yeah. But like again, pri- like both of their primes. Um, you know, I mean he, he when he played uh OJ the Juice Man's Make the Trap Say A, yeah. that was a moment. That was a moment. Let's let's actually listen to a little bit of Make the Trap Say A. Yeah. Uh OJ Juice Man Around round 18, that's right, that's how many rounds there are. There's 25. There's tw- 25. 25 songs is what they did. Um, 50 but, songs total. So around round 18, Gucci, the, the, the kind of the moment that everyone was anticipating and, and had the most questions about happened. Mm-hmm. And that's whether or not Gucci Mane would play the song Truth. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to our episode 40 in which we talked about this, um, we'll just give you another recap. But also mm-hmm. you should go back and listen to that episode because it's actually a very good episode. Um, but... So in in 2012 or so, uh, I believe it's 2012. But like, this is when the as we alluded to earlier, Gucci Mane and Jeezy's beef had had been pretty dormant. 
Uh, Gucci Mane went on The Breakfast Club. It's a very famous interview from The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a Gucci at the height of his addiction and the height of him being just a terrifying figure in hip-hop. Bur- just burning bridges left and right. Yeah, burning bridges with the, with the kind of speed uh, at which only Kanye West has done. Yes, yes um, that's true. And so he goes on The Breakfast Club and they ask him, he's like, what's going on with you and Jeezy? And Gucci Mane basically says... It's nothing. Like we don't really have anything going on. He's like, we're not pals, but like it's like it's kind of like a dormant beef. He's like, I saw him, you know, a week ago. Nothing happened. Like you know what I mean. Like we're mm. we were in the same club a little while ago. Nothing. Like so we're it's it's good. And then I guess the next day, Jeezy was on a different radio station, radio show, and they asked him about it, and he was like, Oh, Gucci man. He's like that boy is, and then he used the R word. If if you don't know what the R word is, just like. Google think, it. Yeah, think Google the R word. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what comes up if you Google R word. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, it comes up. Anyway, so Jeezy says this about about Gucci Mane, and then a day later, I think it was like yeah, tw- a day later, Gucci Mane releases a song called Truth, and this is him talking about the beef, and it opens up with like one of the most amazing rap, rap lines in in in. I think that I've ever heard mm. just the fact that he came up with this in a day mm. where he quotes what Jeezy says is he basically you know let's just play the song truth and it's like it's all in the beginning of the song so we'll just start off with, with the truth So later in the song Truth, which I highly encourage you to listen to and watch the video of, um, Gucci references more directly the fact that he killed Jeezy's friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says stuff like, I'm not a real rapper. I'm a, I'm actually a, a grave digger. Mm-hmm. He says stuff like, you made me kill this guy and left his son to be a bastard. And he's, and he's like, and you won't even raise your own kid, Oof. which is terrible. Yeah. And also bars. Yeah. <laughs> bars. And, and, the, and so, you know, these are really inflammatory lyrics and there was a whole question of like, will Gucci Mane perform this song during verses? Like, it seems like, how could he perform this song with Jeezy there and Jeezy not react to it? Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Gucci Mane puts on truth and he's really rapping it. Yeah. He's going in. He's, this is like super impassioned. And he, he's, he's saying stuff like, you know, at the end of the song, he's like, he does both, both of his verses and like, I mean, honestly, I also think that truth is probably one of my favorite rap songs of all time. Wow. Because, because of the narrative, the the backstory to it, mm-hmm. and then just the way that he raps is like, it, there's some inc- incredible rhyming in it, mm-hmm. and it's like, and also, I mean, once again, I recommend watching the video. The video, and you know, I'm not even I'm not even one of these people that like that really likes to fetishize like uh, being afraid of rappers like some people do. Mm-hmm. But Gucci Mane is 
undeniably terrifying in this video. Yeah, it's like, I mean, before he got cloned, he was a different, <laughs> different animal. He, he seems like a supervillain, but he also seems like, he seems, I don't know, he seems like somebody who who relishes in, in, in doing harm to his foes, <laughs> right. you know? And um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so he's performing a song. After he's done the song, he says... We're smoking on Pookie Loke tonight. Mm. And uh, so for people that don't know, like there's this whole trope or concept in 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 a lot of modern drill music where if one of your enemies dies, you say that you're smoking on you're smoking on an op pack. So you're smoke yeah. you're smoke essentially what it's saying is like you're smoking their ashes in your blunt. Yes. Which yeah. is Truly, one of the most disrespectful things you could ever say about a person. Yeah. And Gucci Mane says this about Jeezy's friend by name with mm-hmm. Jeezy like a mere like 10 feet from him mm-hmm. and this is the part where everyone was freaking out yeah people on Twitter were like what's gonna happen like, everyone was kind of expecting Jeezy to kind of take it there yeah but what actually happened is Jeezy stands up yeah and he says he basically says listen man he's like he's like I I, I brought I brought you to let's let's actually just play the audio from 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 what Jeezy said to Gucci Mane at, at the versus what, battle how we gonna do this Send some more, I'm gonna send them the same way. In a box back to you. Are you doing Free kill. Free on, kill. I'll tell you what, though. See, when I even called you and extended this invite, my nigga, I did it as a real man. It's been 20 motherfucking years. 15 still talk- years. Okay, well, how many? You still talking the same shit. You feel me? Still talking the same shit. Hey, man, so you gotta take Let me talk, listen, my listen. nigga. Let me talk. Let listen, me- listen. Let me talk. I don't nigga. want to talk. I'm, do, I'm through Let talking. Talk, it's your turn nigga. to do the song. That's what right. That's do? right. That's right. Are we going to do some music or, or I'll tell you shit? what. I'll tell you what. My nigga, I'll tell you what. It go like this. When I extended the invitation, I did it as a real man. You feel me? Because I, said I told I, you straight me, off the dribble. T- I told you off the dribble, nigga, we can't do nothing if it ain't street. If I can't perform okay, the truth, we can't do good. it. It's all so good. Okay, but let me say my piece. Let me say my piece. Take off. Let me say my piece. It's like this, bro. I extended my hand because I'm a real man. And the shit we came from in the street, dog, you seen it, we've been through it, dog. 20 years. 20 years. And when I said I wanted to do this shit for the culture, that's what I wanted to do, nigga. I brought you here to show you the world, care about what the fuck we got going on, because we are the culture. You feel me? Me and you. Where we came from. What we been through, nigga. Us. Me and you. All these kids out here doing what the fuck they do, because they saw what went on with us, dog. So this shit ain't about me. This shit ain't about you. You feel what I'm saying? This shit about King Von. This shit by Dope B. This shit by Nipsey Hustle. This shit by motherfucking Pop Smoke, M3. And I'm real enough to do that, nigga, because one thing about it. So, so Jeezy comes up with this, like, really, I thought, amazing and actually kind of beautiful, mature approach to, like, what happened. And, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people I was talking to were like, well, he tried to, Jeezy tried to have Gucci Mane killed. Like, how dare he try and be the bigger person? Mm. And I was like, what's the alternative? Yeah, yeah. What do you want him to say? I wish my friend had killed you? Yeah. Like, what, look, I don't understand what people were I mean, so. That is the alternative. That is the only alternative. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only alternative. But I just don't understand. Like, people, a lot of people were saying this on Twitter, including really smart, savvy people mm-hmm. in hip hop that I, who, whose opinions I respect. And and to me, it was a bit of a strange reaction to it. It's like I can understand saying I understand if Gucci Mane's still upset because I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But to, to to criticize Jeezy for trying to be the bigger person when this is like you know fourteen thir- thirteen years after the incident, they're both grown men with like 
big businesses, very uh, successful, accomplished people. And it's it's almost like people wanted Jeezy to respond with the same kind of like energy that Gucci had in this moment. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, um, and in fairness, Gucci uh, is like, man, I wasn't coming. You knew I wasn't coming on if I couldn't play truth, if I couldn't play that street shit. And, uh, and you know, I, and like, I, like that was, it was like a moment almost behind the veil a little bit. Mm-hmm. I felt like it felt, it was like this interesting moment where they're like, not even just breaking character, breaking care, they're breaking character slightly, but only in the sense of like to reinforce how the, where the passion is sort of coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it, it like was a strange moment. It's kind of threw things a little off kilter. I found after that, mm-hmm. um, and it was sort of like what, what you know, the the energy was rising and rising, and then it's it kind of plat- it stopped uh-huh. there, you know. Um, and so it was sort of then over the next few songs, I found it was like I mean, usually verses are, are twenty songs each. For some reason, they chose to go up to twenty five, mm-hmm. which maybe just to show off, just to show off because <laughs> both of them have incredibly deep catalogs. I mean, Gucci Mane may be one of the deepest yes. catalogs in in rap history. Um, and and so yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, it also kind of felt like it, by this point, I couldn't really tell who was winning. Kind of the, I had started to feel like at the beginning, Gucci, then Jeezy, then back to Gucci. Then, you know, I was, I was kind of like, uh, after the truth thing, I wasn't really so sure. Um, and then G, they both went out with some really good songs in the last little bit. You know, they, Gucci played Lemonade. Jeezy played Soul Survivor. Thug Motivation One One. One of the, you know, another thing I would say in Jeezy's favor that I thought was very interesting and very smart of him is he didn't play his R. Kelly collabo, uh, Go <laughs> yeah, Getta, yeah, which, which is which is a huge song of his. Yes, and and Soul Survivor and and Go Getta kind of came out around the same time, and they yes. both had these like incredible R and B singers mm-hmm. as like the kind of hook mercenary on yeah. it. And I was like. I was very proud of Jeezy for not playing R. Kelly. <laughs> That's true. Interesting. It's a savvy move. Um, you know, I've, I've, al- I've always wondered about how people would react to like R. Kelly. You know, the people yeah. who have the, who are the people who are tone deaf about R. Kelly and who aren't, you know? Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyway, so we get to kind of the end of the battle. Gucci plays Lemonade. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's, it's like a moment out of like the best, only wrestling can really compare honestly only wrestling can really compare and i was so in in wrestling there is this there is this concept of uh they call it like a swerve and that's when usually it's usually involves somebody kind of turning on a partner Mm -hmm. or or doing something doing something very unexpected that's almost against what their character has shown you for the last however long Mm -hmm. and this was like one of the all-time great swerves in (laughs) in hip-hop history where at the end they kind of start talking and they're like you know you, you, they, they basically are like we're gonna they, fuck everything else. Yeah, it's just me and you. Yeah, let's just do this one more time, and they it, go into so icy, which probably is probably the only time it's ever been performed live by both. Yes, of them. that's true. That's you true. Know? And it honestly was this. It was this exhilarating moment that I can't even. I don't know if I can compare it to any other thing that's happened this year. Not just in in music, but I mean in in, in my life. I know. You I know? freaked out. I freaked out too. It was incredible. And watching the reaction in real time of like the group chats uh, that I was in, and seeing Twitter and the Boosie Fate Discord, it was like everyone was like so elated that these two guys were like performing the song together. And honestly, I I found it very touching. Yes, I was like, me this too. is like because it's like. 
to me, this is this is like the the platonic ideal of this scenario. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what you wanted to see happen. You want to see these guys put everything that happened as make it water under the bridge and move forward mm-hmm. because they're grown ups, yeah. you know, and they've both grown and learned a lot. And so then after they perform this song, a really beautiful moment, Gucci Mane says basically he's like he's like man he's like you know what you extended the olive branch to me and like. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now let's go to our joint after party at this club in Atlanta. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just so funny to me because, you know, like even as of a few weeks ago or, well, let's say even like a year ago or a few years ago, being in the same club where Gucci and Jeezy are both there is like, I don't want to be there. You yeah. Know? You don't yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems dangerous. Yeah. Now them both being there. Still seems dangerous. Still seem dangerous. Maybe more so. It's fucking COVID, bro. <laughs> it's COVID. Why are you trying to get us to go to a club yeah. right now? Was, and like, that makes you wonder, was that the long con each of them were playing? Like, is the other one going to get COVID, you know? <laughs> it's like, let's go to the club. Then he's just there for a minute. He's wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. Pieces out, like yeah. slips out the back door, leaves yeah. his, other, his, his foe in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it's like, I just can't believe that they're doing I mean, it's Atlanta and I don't know. They're doing their own thing there yeah, in, yeah. in relation to COVID. But it's just, it was, all this to say, it was just a really beautiful ending to the night. And mm-hmm. and then the, 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 the day after, Jeezy went on The Breakfast Club and I watched the interview last night. It's an excellent interview. I would strongly recommend this interview. And, you know, The Breakfast Club... They do so many terrible things and a lot of things to be <laughs> criticized about. And just like their history with like, you know, misogyny, transphobia, homophobia, homophobia is all very recent and and, and uh, prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I will say to their credit is that I think they're able to get interviews out of some, some rap's major stars in a way that not many other people are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this hinges on their relationships with people. So Charlemagne, for instance, has he has a podcast with Jeezy. Mm. Um, so they're they're pals. Mm-hmm. And so watching this interview, they just ask them all the questions you want to know so directly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, they're like, what did you think when Jeezy was getting was getting, you know, amped up during truth? And like, mm-hmm. how did you feel about that? And like Jeezy is very honest with them. And he was just basically saying, he's like, he's like, I did a lot of things in my past that I'm like that I'm not necessarily proud of. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, he's like the person who I was 15 years ago when I put out those songs or like when I said that stuff about him, it's like you know, I don't, he's like, I, he basically saying, he's like, I, I, I was, I felt that way at the time, but I don't feel that way anymore. And I feel like, he's like, I know that I just wasn't doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And there's been things that have happened in his life in the last decade mm-hmm. that I think he's still probably dealing with and trying to like mature about. Like he had issues with his son, mm-hmm. um, his son, his son who has a really amazing episode of my super sweet 16, or he's a character on it <laughs> where it's a, it's little Wayne's daughter, Regine. Right. It was her 16th birthday. And I guess she used to date, uh, Jeezy's son, Jadarius Jenkins. Wow. I know, it was, it's incredible. But then in the episode, and I'm sure it was like kind of MTV producer storyline, but he starts dating like one of her best friends, like secretly. Right. It was really juicy. I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know if you can find it anywhere on the internet, but if you can, I, I'd recommend it if you <laughs> want a little bit of a positive a positive COVID watch. But um, anyway, Jeezy's son, Jadarius, uh, was like, he was like, had his face slashed in some kind of fight in it where somebody was somebody was killed wow so like i mean if you and if you think about it without like projecting too much on what that might make him think about it's like if you think about where jeezy comes from like the the circumstances in which he came up his uh you know he came really from the streets Mm -hmm. he has a son 
who is afforded basically every privilege. You have a multimillionaire father. Mm-hmm. You're you think that is safe from these kind of like this kind of like st- street realities, the realities of like violence, and yet he he himself ends up in it. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and I would imagine. I mean, I'm purely speculating, but I'm, I would imagine for somebody like Jeezy, that gives you something to think about. Yeah, you know, and and on another level, Jeezy. You know, at, at one point we didn't really talk about this, but at one point in the versus battle, Gucci's like, "Look at what I'm wearing! Like, look at my outfit! Like, this is a ten thousand dollar outfit, and look at my opponent!" And he basically is saying, "Is like, I'm dressed immaculately. My opponent's dressed like a bum." Yeah. And then Jeezy's like, "I might not have a ten thousand dollar outfit on, but I own half of Atlanta." Mm. And people were making fun of Jeezy for this. Well, it is funny. It is funny. <laughs> it is funny. He's like, "You look like shit. I might look like shit, but I got a lot of real estate." Yeah. You know what it's I mean? That Jay- it's like he's had too many dinners with Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but 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 I guess the, I mean that is that is a reality. Like Jeezy does own a lot of real estate in Atlanta, like expensive real estate, and he says that people in the real estate game in Atlanta know Jeezy for what he owns. He says mm-hmm. he owns entire city blocks. Moreover, Jeezy is very active in Democratic politics, like like Big D Democratic. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he is a is a is a patron of the Democratic Party, and he's also a trusted <laughs> associate of them. Wow. He was he. He was active with the Hillary campaign. Mm-hmm. He was active with the Biden campaign. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is that this is a grown ass man. Yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like. Anyway, so it, to me, and the way that he talks about like his whole thing with with Gucci is that is is very through much through the lens of somebody who's grown a lot mm-hmm. and is wanting to kind of continue to perpetuate that. And he says that you know, Charlemagne asked him. He's like, he's like, do you think that? Uh, that you and you and Gucci will talk about the incident and be able to have some real healing around that, mm-hmm. which I thought was just a, like I mean that's an incredible question. I just yeah, like yeah. wanted to I wanted to hear him answer, and he was like he was like he's like I think that there's there's space for that. There's like that room is there. He's like he's like I would be willing to sit down with him and hear him talk about this, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just like to me that kind of growth in in a an elder in hip hop, and I say an elder, he's forty three, but an elder in hip hop, it's like that's exactly what you want out of your legends, man, and yes. like. And yes. the, too many of too many hip hop legends don't get to live to be where Jeezy and Gucci Mane are, or their careers take a downturn, and they don't they don't like a- acquit themselves or adapt fast enough. Mm-hmm. And to see these two guys adapt and really just be mature about things and 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 stay on their business, but also stay on their like humanity, yes, is just like it's just really beautiful. And I mean, I just feel like that's it's it's a sort of a bomb to the how depre- the depressing news about these other rappers being shot or killed uh in the last few weeks you know there's a feeling of 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 you know these cycles perpetuating and 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 the 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 tragedy of these you know uh potentially amazing artists artists with so much potential who have you know already kind of amazing careers being cut down before they have an opportunity to realize it this is sort of like uh it's it's sort of a little bit of a bomb to that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel like the if they can if rappers can survive long enough, there's uh, potential for healing mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and you know a, a reflection. Mm-hmm. You know? And this and just to to kind of like wrap this up, but this is one of the things that Jeezy was saying is that he was saying that like you know he Jeezy's really good friends with Lil Durk. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lil Dirk King Von is Lil Dirk's cousin, and he was saying he's like he's like all these things really touched me, and he's like and he's like what I wanted to do was make sure that those guys can see because he's like he's like we basically he was saying I want to demystify this this whole idea of of beef between me and Gucci because he wanted younger rappers to see like if Gucci and Jeezy 
can like come to terms and like you know end all their beef and just like move move forward Mm -hmm. then you guys can do it too like he didn't he didn't want to continue to perpetuate this idea Mm -hmm. that if you have an enemy you're that's your enemy to the death and you Mm -hmm. never forgive them and like a really destructive kind of like thinking Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that i just found to be really really touching about the whole situation is like so like a hip-hop legend using his elder statesman status to put a positive message to the younger artists Mm -hmm. absolutely uh, on that note, I mean, one of the last blue check comments I saw on it was uh, Kodak Black, maybe someone using his account or, or maybe, maybe from, from prison, <laughs> yes. putting like like the, Z's, Z's, the, sl- the sleeping, sleep emojis, sleepy emojis. emojis when they were making up, which was just like one of those those moments of uh, he was Kodak was not there for reconciliation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, Kodak. Oh, Kodak. Um yeah, so let's let's actually close out this segment by playing "So Icy," the the original collaboration between Gucci Mane and Jeezy from 2005. Last week also saw the release of a major album by one of rap's biggest new stars, Megan Thee Stallion, um, who, as as it's been made clear on this podcast before, we are huge fans of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of the most exciting new rap stars of the last five years. Yeah, I mean, she, uh, you know, we were on, we were, if you listen to this podcast for a long time, you know, we were on her early and often, and uh you know, one of the things about her career, sort of her breakout year last year, was that it was sort of a breakout year into rap, but it she didn't quite have any mainstream hits uh, on the scale of some of her peers. I mm-hmm. mean, I remember seeing sort of the end of year streaming numbers for her on Spotify, and she had like a third of some middling artists, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it was sort of like, uh, she had like 250 million in like a PNB rock who probably most of you don't know who that is. And that's okay. <laughs> you don't even need to look into it. Uh, he's very middling. Yeah. Uh, he had like 750 million. Wow. You know, so wow. three times as much as her. Yeah. And had, I can't even, I don't, I don't know if I can name a PNB. I can name a few, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. But P and B Rock. I mean, just to go off on a little tangent about this guy, he's like he's the definition of like a hook mercenary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's just somebody that comes in, does a hook. He's pretty good at it. But I will say his music already sounds incredibly dated. Yes, it's very emblematic of like 2016 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, uh, but but this is all to say that Megan had this kind of like superstar status as a, as a as a rapper, but didn't really have the songs that match the status. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, episode 42 of this podcast is called Megan the Stallion is the Future of Houston Rap. Mm-hmm. So we're very high on her. We think she's a very skilled rapper. She just hadn't had the songs that like kind of matched up to her her level of stardom until this year. Yes. Where she ha- she ha- has had a bunch. Yes. So first uh there is Savage. Savage, which uh which came out in February, March, March. Yeah, in March, February and then kind of took off when um, a dancer made the kind of a TikTok dance to it mm-hmm. and became a huge hit. Beyonce did a uh, a 
a remix. remix. And like, you don't get think, much bigger than that. I think it went to number one. I think it did go to number one. Um, let's actually listen to the Savage remix between Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion. He say the way that thing move is a movie. I told that boy we gotta keep it lowly, me the room key. I done bled the block and now it's hot, bitch. I'm Tunchi. I'm mood and I'm moody. I'm a savage. Um, yeah, I, I love it when Beyonce raps. It's like truly such a gift. It feels like it feels like Christmas morning when Beyonce raps. Mm-hmm. She's so good at it. Mm-hmm. Her rhymes are always amazing. Mm-hmm. It's and it's just fun. And Megan also just completely destroys that track. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's just, I feel like it's like it's a song that matches like it matches the persona, and it also lets her show off her bars mm-hmm, for sure. I saw this really good uh, tweet. I wish I could remember who said it uh, so I could attribute it to them but there was a a tweet about how like um all the breakout uh female rappers in recent times have been are very technically strong rappers yes where dragonfly jones i believe right great thank you for the uh, attribution and whereas male men are can be kind of mediocre singers yeah and women are not allowed afforded the opportunity to be mediocre anything Uh in in Uh music i thought that was just like so perfectly put because Megan is a technically stronger rapper than 95% that's of, right of male rappers right absolutely now, absolutely you know? yes very much I, so if not higher yes um, so she has this huge song come out this is by far the biggest year of her of her career mm-hmm. um, you know she's on the cover of Rolling Stone in February she is you know signed to Rock Nation management so Jay-Z's the, the powerful hand of Jay-Z is behind her career which mm-hmm. I've uh, you know not you know, it's not it's not a coincidence. This is her breakout year when she's signed to Rock Nation, like very recently. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but her year kind of takes a turn for for the dark mm-hmm. uh, in July, when after a night out at Kylie Jenner's house, that's probably a sentence that <laughs> implies a certain amount of trouble right. to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is shot. Mm-hmm. Um. So Tory Lanez gets arrested for for gun possession. Mm-hmm. Megan goes to the hospital and it comes out a, few, a little while later that she's been shot. There's there's not really a lot of details at first about who did what, but it's very much implied by the vast majority of people that Tory Lanez perhaps shot Megan the Stallion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then so then I mean, um, this kind of Megan is sort of silent about it for she, a few days. For a few days. And then there starts to be these sort of reports that people behind the scenes, particularly from Tory's team, are starting to kind of try and get ahead of the story, basically, uh-huh. and well, just like, discredit Megan. Yeah. So what what actually happens is like three days after the sh- the shooting, mm-hmm. Megan posts on Instagram and says that she was shot, and mm-hmm. she says, "I suffered uh, quote I suffered gunshot wounds as a result of a crime that was committed against me and done with the intention to physically harm me." End quote. So. She basically makes it clear that she was harmed. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say who did it, mm-hmm. uh, but the implication is very clear that it's Tory Lanez, just based on rumors. Mm-hmm. So whatever. After that, she's kind of silent for a, a little while, mm-hmm. and then about a, a month, a month later, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different people that are writers, journal, hip hop journalists that I follow on Twitter who are posting kind of screenshots of emails they're getting from, uh, like kind of 
in quotes, anonymous sources mm-hmm. that are, are basically sharing articles that are spreading rumors that saying that t- Megan actually wasn't shot mm-hmm. and basically trying to discredit Megan. Mm-hmm. Then after like maybe a few days of this, Megan tweets something to the effect of like, lie one more time and I'm a quit sparing you. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mention who she's talking about, but it's pretty clear it's about Tory Lanez. Yeah. Later that evening, she goes on Instagram live and she's like, yes, Tory Lanez shot me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it kind of sends the world into a tizzy. It just confirms what everyone was already speculating. But Tory Lane continues to be silent for uh, about for some more time. Like a few more weeks. A few more weeks. And at this time, artists start to drop Tory Lanez from their songs that are on, on streaming platforms. So Kalani removes Tory Lanez from from a, a song that she she has on, on uh, with him. And then JoJo mm-hmm. uh, re- removes Tory Lanez from a song that she has with him. So people are kind of being like, Tory... Uh, committed an act of violence against Megan the Stallion mm-hmm. and we're not supporting this abuser. It's also worth mentioning that in between the shooting and and all of this this sort of reveal that um Megan also dropped uh with Cardi B WAP, which is one of the biggest songs of the year. That's right. Um there's there's basically if you're listening to this podcast, there's no way possible Neither that you no. haven't heard this song. Yeah, so we don't even need to really go into it. No, we know. but it, it we should say that this song is like it's it's the, one of, it's one of the biggest songs of the year. It's, I mean, it, it it's it's big enough to get like conservative pushback. <laughs> I mean, if conservatives knew about what was going on behind the scenes on some of these songs, yeah. they would be way more freaked out <laughs> than you know just a song yeah. called "Wap." Yes, that's right. And I and, and and I mean, I need to mention it brought about one of the all time great self owns where Ben Shapiro, the conservative commentator, tweeted something to the extent of. My wa- I talked to my wife about this WAP situation, and she said that if that happens to a woman, she needs to go to a doctor, <laughs> which is just just so, so funny. It's amazing. I mean, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, this this song is just... It's, it's just everywhere. It's as big as it can get, basically. If it's on Fox News, that means it's humongous. That's right. And it, it hits number one. So this is like Megan's second number one of the year. Yes. You know, like that's like... And it's once again... Rare air. Rare, very rare, and also collaborations with 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 Megan, or sorry, with with Beyonce, mm-hmm. with Cardi. Mm-hmm. She also collaborated with Nicki. Mm-hmm. So she's basically she just needs one Rihanna feature, and she's yes. hit the 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 four horsemen, the four horsemen of the of, you know yeah. of pop superstardom. Yes. Um. So I guess all this to say is like this is the year that Megan is actualizing. You know, her music is starting to match up with where she is as as a celebrity. Mm-hmm. So it's really exciting for for everyone to watch and to see somebody like kind of get their just desserts at this time. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just all working. Yes. And then on top of that, but except for you know the Tory Lanez thing, she's having to deal with like with having to you know be a victim of 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 domestic violence mm-hmm. and and having to deal with the aftermath of, aftermath of that. So there's a lot of like it's like kind of like a complicated year. Um. So anyway, after some time of silence in late September, Tori goes on Twitter and says to all my fans, I'm sorry for the silence, but re- respectfully, I got time today. The next day, he releases an album called Daystar. It's a which is his first release as an independent artist. Um, And it's an entire concept album about the situation with Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. I mean, we should say leading up to this, Tori was also kind of having the biggest year of his career. That's right. And he had this Instagram uh, back when, you know, everybody loved to watch things like Versus. I mean, Versus being sort of the best version of it. But, you Instagram know, live shows. Instagram live shows. He had something, be- something. He had, what was it called again? It was called Quarantine Radio. So this Quarantine is the be- kind of like the beginning of, of when everyone's like locked down mm-hmm. in March because of COVID. Um, he had a huge 
Instagram live show called Quarantine Radio where he would have guests come on. So mm-hmm. celebrities would come through and he'd put them on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would just be like kind of like, you know, Instagram models coming off and like twerking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Doing some wild sexual shit. Um, yes. And it was super entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, it was a real, it was a cultural moment. Mm-hmm. And Tori was the host of it. And it coincided with the time that he had gone fully independent as an artist. Mm-hmm. So basically, he was set up to have his biggest, his biggest year as an artist. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like exciting to watch because even though I'm, I'm not the biggest Tory Lanez fan musically, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just happy to see anyone from Toronto or the GTA, mm-hmm. Greater Toronto area, for those of you who aren't from from Toronto, uh, see any of them excel, even yeah. if I don't like their music. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Tristan Thompson, yeah, but yeah. I'm happy that he's got a big contract in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Tom, Tristan Thompson more than I like Tory Lanez. I mean, Tory Lanez, to me, I would, again, I would, like, I think he got better over time, but he was always someone to me who has some natural talent, but not a ton of creativity. Mm. He was all of his, every single one of his songs is kind of sounds like someone else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he can do that someone else pretty well, but it, it, it is just like, he is like a, a facsimile of a bunch of other rappers mm. and, and singers, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, and so with Daystar, I mean, it, it's, it's deranged, first of all. That's the first thing I have to say about it. But it also is like him slipping into all of these different other artists' modes to deliver this deranged message of, I didn't do it, but I'm not really saying I didn't do it, but uh-huh. I'm heavily implying I didn't do it. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has like some Chris Brown tracks. He has a lot of Drake tracks. Yeah. I never it, heard someone sound so much like Drake. I know. He also has a song where he really sounds like Chance the Rapper, and it's a song in which he insults Chance the Rapper. <laughs> um, That's pretty funny. The, the, the thing about Tory Lanez putting out this album is like, uh, first of all, to make a concept album of like 17 songs about this incident is just... For, to, to not put out a statement about what happened and then release an album in which you talk around what happened mm-hmm. and try and imply that Megan the Stallion is lying and she's being manipulated by her management. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it is just incredibly disrespectful to yes. the situation that happened. It's and like just so stupid. Like I obviously, I mean, I know that if it's, a, he's got a pending legal case, then maybe he apologizing might be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you could probably privately apologize. Mm-hmm. You could just say nothing. Yes, yes. And yes. The, the hubris and arrogance to put out a concept album addressing it, it just shows how stupid he is. Yeah, I, I mean, mean... It's not really like anything more complicated than that. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, it's just... It is really... It's just extremely inappropriate to respond to allegations of domestic violence with an album in which you're going to commercially profit from. Mm-hmm. I just... Mm-hmm. I just you know, and you know, and it's been interesting seeing like the response of people because a lot of people are actually divided about what happened mm-hmm. between Megan and Tori. I, I like which on on, on on in some sense I can almost understand. Yeah, but, but I, it's, I, I it's understand also, it because it's just misogyny. To be honest, yeah, exactly. Right? It's it's very incel behavior. Yeah, it's just to me. classic. Like somehow there's this weird. It's like you can see it because the logic doesn't make any sense. This, there are people who are saying. Megan is snitching and she's making up the story. It's like, how can she be doing both? <laughs> you can't be doing both. You it's know? true. It's true. It's also like, I don't know. What I found is like, I, I just don't really... To me, it's it's kind of confusing to hear people be like, I just don't know why people are trying to poke holes in Megan's story. Do you? Th- it just doesn't seem... Like what's what's more likely, mm-hmm. you know? It's like what's more likely 
that she actually was sh- like she has she actually posted photos of her injuries mm-hmm. which even the fact that she had to do that is kind of is just tragic yes like people won't believe that she's a victim mm-hmm. despite her saying that she's a victim mm-hmm. until she shows like the injuries and then people were fucking analyzing the, the footage and like they're like how did this not like you know break any bones this is also something tori lane said on the album like yeah. how did you get shot in the foot and not break any bones mm-hmm. and then on megan's album she actually responds and explains why that that actually happened yeah which we'll get into in a little bit but i guess all this to say it's like to me, I I know there there are friends of mine who are kind of like I don't know. Tori might be Tori might be telling the truth, and like honestly, it's really disappointing to hear that from them. You know, it's like it's like why are you taking this dude's side when you have no? Re- There's like no reason for you to take his side. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and it just doesn't. Again, it just doesn't make sense. First of all, what does she have to gain from yes from making up something like? Frankly, this? she's a much bigger star than he is at this point. Absolutely. Uh, secondly, it's like. It, what what is more logical you know this is kind of like it's conspiracy theory logic right what's more logical a man assaults a woman happens all the time uh and he denies doesn't even really flat out deny it mm-hmm. like he, he starts, starts talking about other stuff he's like we had such a great connection it's yeah. like nigga shut up can't have been that good yeah you that's know true. uh and secondly or she makes up this whole thing the police come for no reason. Well, I just can't even. I'm trying to like fathom how you can possibly believe another version. Like, yeah. how is she? You know what I mean? It's yeah, not that yeah, complicated. Yeah. It's like, not that complicated. She's literally what there was gunshots. Mm-hmm. Multiple witnesses heard gunshots. gunshots. The police come. They arrest him with a gun. Mm-hmm. They take her to the hospital with bullet wounds. Like is there like a it's like a, a grassy knoll shooter in this yeah, situation? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess I guess the one fine detail on that is that uh, apparently she didn't tell the police she got shot, and she, when she went to the hospital, I don't, I'm not sure if she told them that she got shot, but she was saying uh, very understandably that she was actually doing this to protect Tory Lanes and to protect herself yes. because she was concerned that you know if the police got involved and they knew there was a shooting that they might respond with like violence this is as all the George George Floyd yes. protests were taking off and there's a lot of talk about police brutality so you know on an, on another level it's like she was even doing Tory a favor exactly of of like exactly. of Being trying to protect him and yeah and, and protect him even though he had hurt her you know i mean and that's like part of what what's so infuriating to me about Tory's behavior mm-hmm. you know I mean, uh, it's 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 like such a um, arrogance, you know, to 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 when someone has done something for you that you respond in this way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when he really could just say nothing. Yes, yes, you know, yes. Anyway, so this is all the context that's in the lead up to Megan's debut album. I'm putting that in quotes. Mm-hmm. The the whole thing about debut albums in this sense where somebody's released like you can have like 10 debut albums these days. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like the debut mixtape, the first major label mixtape. Yeah. Um so this out al- this album is called Good News. Mm-hmm. And uh the good news is it starts off incredibly strong. Yes. Uh it starts off with kind of like, you know, if if Tory Lane's made a concept album of 17 songs about this incident with Megan, Megan kind of gave him one song and yeah. then a few others kind of subtle jabs or, or, or subs in, throughout the rest of the album. But the one song that Megan made in rebuttal to it is excellent. Yes. It yeah. samples the Notorious B.I.G.'s Who Shot Ya. Mm-hmm. And it's just exactly what you want from Megan. It plays to all of her strengths. It's like very bar heavy. It's 
it it also has has a lot of detail about what actually happened. This is something that she there's a lot of like there's stuff that Megan mentions in the song that has been nowhere in the public in the public realm before. Like for instance, um, she mentions the gun that she was shot with and why there was no broken bones. It was because mm-hmm. she was shot with a twenty two, mm-hmm. which is like pellets. Yeah, very small. You know, if you get shot with a if you if you're gonna get shot but with a gun, you want to get shot with a twenty two. Mm-hmm. You know, that's. The smallest caliber that can, I think, really be considered a firearm, as far as I know. Yes, yes. And so she mentions she mentions that detail. I, you know, there's the, obviously there's news about Tori being arrested for gun possession, but as far as I know, there was nowhere in the public uh, publicly revealed that it was a twenty two. Yes. So she also kind of mentions that the per, one of the people that she was in the car with, who was her, at the time her best friend, she's had a falling out with, mm-hmm. and she's one of the people that allegedly mm-hmm. may maybe she alleges that Tori Lane's like paid her off. Mm-hmm. Also, in, in in this GQ profile uh, of Megan, she mentions that Tory Lanez offered to pay her mm-hmm. to to keep quiet about the, about the incident, and she was kind of like, "You fucking shot me, bro! Like, what do you yeah. mean I'm gonna take some money?" So it's like she's also kind of like, "Why do I? Why would I need your money?" Yes, yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyway, let's actually listen to a bit of shots fired by Megan The Stallion. So, that's uh, objectively an excellent song. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that might be one of the few excellent songs in this album. Yeah. I mean, it's it's okay. It's okay. But I feel, you know, it's my my take on it was that this is an album that is made for TikTok. Like it's made it's like they're trying to uh extract as much pop from Megan who is you know she can do pop but again I think at her best is really more in the rhyming pocket and the pop, you know the more the savage type of stuff mm-hmm. is more you know that's like an occasional thing for her uh-huh. but every song is really chasing the savage mode almost almost every song i felt on this is sort of trying to be in that mode yeah i think i think that's true and there's a lot of songs as well there are a lot 17 of songs. Well, 17 songs 17 songs not that bad but um yeah there there's some there you know the thing is it's like at the at the at at the end of the day, Megan's a really great rapper. Mm-hmm. So even on a song that sucks, she can have like some really great rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, the beats, though, are the, there's some there's some really bizarre bad. production choices on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like so. There's one song. <laughs> oh man, there's some of this. Honestly, some of these songs are so bad they bum me out. I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. lie. Like just and by bad, I mean mostly it's like the production and the hooks on some of these songs. Like the song "Sugar Baby." is mm. just truly atrocious. Yeah. I mean the the one song that I that I I I have a feeling based on where it is in the track listing that it was already out and I just hadn't heard it, but um the Girls in the Hood uh where she flips Boys in the Hood yep. is really it was really it's like that's like what I ideally want from Megan, mm-hmm. you know, her playing to her strengths as like a really creative rapper, sort of ode to past songs, mm-hmm. um, or like songs from the hip hop history. Uh and her I guess her more as a hip hop artist than as a, a True. Pop and and that, that's also what I liked about uh Shots, Shots Fired. Fired is that by sampling Biggie, who's she's 
cited as one of her influences. It's just like creating that direct lineage connection mm-hmm. between her as like a a very technically skilled rapper and Notorious B.I.G. who's probably one of the most technically skilled rappers. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so some songs that I liked. I like the song with Lil Durk. It's called mm-hmm. Movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's pretty interesting to see what's happening with Lil Durk's career. Like this has been probably, I would say, the best year of his career. Definitely. And then mixed with the bittersweetness of like the terribleness of like life where his cousin King Vaughn was murdered mm-hmm. this year. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, just like a lot going on, you know, mm-hmm. even with all we're talking, we're talking about with Gucci Mane and Jeezy mm-hmm. and even with Megan. It's yeah. like you see the tragedy and triumph of being a rapper. Mm-hmm. You know, being a rapper is a very dangerous job. Yes. You know, like there's a, there are a lot of obstacles that you have to face. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's listen to, listen to a little bit of a movie with Megan Thee Stallion and Lil Durk. Take a shot, then turn the phone and shit. Give me that deuce like dick. 42, ho I zoo. Make me do some crazy shit. Fuck them good. Now he's shaking. Call that nigga crazy bags. Mixing blue with the green hunters. That shit look like crazy bread. That ain't my man, but that's my man. Don't so watch your hands, ho. He trying to holler when you ain't looking. Just stop shaking his hand, bro. Told that nigga. Give me the money, don't know what you playing for This expensive, don't be touching on what you ain't paying for He my coochie, let's make a movie, nigga I'm talking I, I mean, uh, one of the other things about this album Is that, like, I'm also just really sick of the baby. Oh my god I saw, I saw one tweet that was like Free Megan from the tyranny of the baby features Yeah I absolutely agree Yeah I was actually thinking, I was thinking about this, like, last night I was like, man I was so excited when I first heard the baby. Like mm-hmm. I was obsessed with him for a solid six months, mm-hmm. and then, and this is something we're going to get into on our next episode, which is a mailbag episode, because we did get a question about this about oversaturation of artists. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting. It's interesting seeing the different models of how artists approach their career. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people kind of they, once they kind of have their moment, they're like, "I got to make as much money as possible while mm-hmm. I'm hot." So it's like, say no to nothing, just appear everywhere, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but then what ends up happening is like, I think you, you make a bunch of money, obviously, you get mm-hmm. really famous, but it's like people become so sick of you to a point that like, I just wonder like how in a long term sense, like what that does for you. Yeah, I, I, I really wonder about that. I mean, it's music industry is definitely in a really strange place right now because previously touring was the biggest source of revenue mm. and that's not there anymore. But, you know, assuming we get back to normal at some point. Are people really going to want to go see you twelve years after your your little point of of saturation uh, on your tour? You know, it, or mm-hmm. if you or do you want to like nurture a career and and I mean I I can understand obviously the the notion of wanting to sell out, go make your money and then go retire or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see it, but I. I I'm I'm skeptical that it actually ends up working out in artist's favor. Well, I, I feel like it's like you know the dealing with the day to day fluctuations of the music industry. I, I I think what is probably more likely is that they're like I'll make all my money now, mm-hmm. and then I'll have a label, and mm-hmm. then I'll own a restaurant, mm-hmm. and then I'll own this clothing company. Yeah. So it's like you use you you build up all this capital through doing these features and oversaturating the market, mm-hmm. and then you branch out into other businesses because it's like begging you're too much on the music industry is just like, it's just too unpredictable. Was Fetty Wap the first person to do this? To just... <laughs> like to like a streaming era, like yeah. put out like hit, 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 yeah. disappear. Yeah. And just to the point where we're sick of him, you like... It's true. I mean, Fetty Wap's still making music. He is, but it, it, does anyone hear it? It's, I, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of like a much more marginal artist now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, 
we'll talk about this when we talk about the mailbag episode but it's mm-hmm. like this is something also migos migos have done yes, where they just yeah. like they said no to, they said they never said no to yes. any feature yeah or any brand deal um, car, carpool karaoke carpool karaoke man yeah secure the bag uh anyway also say the baby appears on a song to just ruin the vibe yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah it's pretty it's pretty disappointing man there's there's one like I think what what hurts the most about this album, if anything, is, mm-hmm. is that like you just wanted it to be so good. I wanted it to be so good, mm-hmm. and I still enjoy some of Megan's rapping, even on the bad songs, because mm-hmm. she's a good rapper. There's one song on this album that like where the hook is so atrocious that I'm like, I want to fight this producer. Yeah, like if I ever see this person, I'm gonna, I, I want to fight this person. Yeah, and this is like the song is called "Don't Rock Me to Sleep." <laughs> it is truly one of the worst songs of the year, I yeah, would say, yeah. and like. Just listening to it is kind of infuriating. You're like, how could you think that this was good? It just there's something about it. It's it just I just can't believe that somebody can earnestly listen to this and be like, this is a good song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just weird. I don't know if I want to if I want to play for you guys. You no, have to seek that out on your own. No, no, no. I mean, all this to say, I, like this album is not great. It's not bad. I don't think. And and I, to be honest, it's like there are big enough songs from it. It's going to be successful. It's she's already it's already successful. It's already successful. You know, it's, like even even some of the even some of the songs that you know, like the single one of the the lead singles is the song called Body, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure where I stand on it actually. Yeah, it's kind of not good, but it is catchy. It's super like this morning I woke up and I was like body yadi 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 like yeah. I was like <laughs> it was just running in a loop on my on my mind, you yeah, know, yeah. and like so I, I'm not really. Nevertheless, I just think the song is going to be a hit. Yeah, and like like you said, a lot of these songs seem primed for TikTok. I can see the TikTok dances on so many of these songs. Mm-hmm. Like just the way that the hooks are repetitive, the way they just lend themselves to being like memeified. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, it's I don't think as much as this maybe isn't for catch up. It it is for the kids probably. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's you know that's where she's at now. She's, yeah, it's sort of the the can can be the trap for uh, of success a little bit where mm-hmm. you branch out to try. And, you know, I, I does feel a little A and R to me. Yeah, you know? totally, totally, totally. I think I think that they are probably like let's seize on this, and then the next one can be for you. you yeah, know? yeah. You know, then explain you, explain what A and R what you mean by A and R to people who may not know. What so they mean. I mean, it's a decree. It's an increasingly rare thing because of the speed that artists. Uh, blow up but one, once upon a time it was a very common thing in rap especially in the 2000s when record labels were having a lot of trouble in the post napster era and b- basically what it means is that anr is someone who helps develop you as an artist now over anring is when the you know wh- sort of whims of the market or the sort of more orthodox artistic choices are made by the record a- label to say, okay, right now Wiz Khalifa is really popular. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a Wiz Khalifa feature. Right now, Lady Gaga is really popular. You're gonna mm-hmm. get a Lady Gaga feature. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a different thing than when like a, a rapper goes on to a pop star's like a pop star song to. Um, you know, kind of uh, give it some like give some, it some cred, some cred or, yeah. You know, whatever. And some edge. And some edge, and 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 they get a bag, and it's a that's like light selling out. Over to A and Ring is usually kind of only somewhat a the artist's choice, uh, but they're basically told if you really want to go up a level, you got to kind of go with where the market is, mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. just is inorganic. They lo- sort of lose a bit of their original sound in the process. Absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes it can work to s- s- great success. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, Cardi B's album, Invasion of Privacy, 
you can feel that the a, the hand of the oh, ANRs on a, a lot of the different songs, but I think it works really well. Yeah, because a lot of the songs are great, and she just also has so much personality that she can shine in a lot of different contexts. And not to say that Megan doesn't have it, but like Cardi's personality is her selling point. Mm-hmm. It's not her rapping really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her rapping's fine, but like her her persona, her she can be. She's the type of person that would be the center of gravity in any room. She's mm-hmm. it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you look at at WAP um, and Megan, I mean Megan is a better rapper. Yeah, but like Cardi's parts are the more memorable. Parts That's true. Things, it's true. You know? It's true. So she can survive that kind of thing in a way that I mean, even from our last segment, Gucci Mane's uh, two late major label records were known for being over a. Oh yeah, that's that's know? how you get the Bruno Mars feature. Exactly. You know, it's like you play ball a little bit. Yes. Okay. So I'll also say. You know, there are a lot of great Megan Thee Stallion songs out there and a lot of verses out there. Um, a lot of them aren't on this album. Yeah. But that's probably fine. It's fine. Yeah. She'll probably, with the rate that things are going, she'll probably have another album in six months. It's true. It's true. And that's this episode of Catch Up. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we just want to continue to thank you guys for uh, for spreading the word about the podcast. Please, if you enjoy the podcast and you know somebody that might like it, tell them. Send them a link. Uh, post our Post the pod in your stories. Tag me and James. Tag uh, our Instagram account, which is at Ketchup. And also, please leave us a review on iTunes. We oh, we, we have a lot of reviews. We it. haven't gotten one in a while. If you have enjoyed the podcast, feel free to explain why and uh and give us a five star review. Yeah, only five stars though, please. Yeah, if, if you don't, if you honestly, if you don't like us, that's fine. But don't leave a review saying it. Yeah, keep that to yourself. Yes, please. Um. Also, want to say a big shout out to our producer Kyle, yes, to our researcher Corey, and to uh, Caleb. Who, I mean, if you've been listening to the pod, you the music probably kind of rings in your head even when you just see the logo come up on mm-hmm. your feed. Uh, he's a, a talented producer and engineer out of Toronto. So, if any aspiring rappers, hit up uh, at Kleb. That's K L E B Soda at, on Instagram, mm-hmm. and he'll hook you up. Sounds good. All right. Until next week. Yeah. Uh, Stay safe.